You know the average person spends four years of his life looking down at his cell phone. Kinda ironic, ain't it? How these touch screens can make us lose touch. But it's no wonder in a world filled with iMacs, iPads, and iPhones, so many eyes, so many selfies, not enough us's and we's. See, technology has made us more selfish and separate than ever. Cause while it claims to connect us, connection has gotten no better. And let me express first, Mr. Zuckerberg, not to be rude, but you should reclassify Facebook to what it is, an anti-social network. Cause while we may have big friend lists, so many of us are friendless all alone. Cause friendships are more broken than the screens on our very phones. We sit at home on our computers measuring self-worth by numbers of followers and likes. Ignoring those who actually love us, it seems we'd rather write an angry post and talk to someone who might actually hug us. Am I bugging? You tell me, cause I asked a friend the other day, let's meet up face to face. They said, all right, what time you want to Skype? I responded with OMG, SRS, and then a bunch of SMHs and realized, what about me? Do I not have the patience to have conversation without abbreviation? This is the generation of media overstimulation. Chats have been reduced to snaps. The news is 140 characters. Videos are six seconds at high speed. And you wonder why ADD is on the rise faster than 4G LTE, but... Get a load of this. Studies show the attention span of the average adult today is one second lower than that of a goldfish. So if you're one of the few people or aquatic animals that have yet to click off or close this video, congratulations. Let me finish by saying you do have a choice. Yes, but this one, my friends, we cannot autocorrect. We must do it ourselves. Take control or be controlled. Make a decision, me. No longer do I want to spoil a precious moment by recording it with a phone. I'm just going to keep them. I don't want to take a picture of all my meals anymore. I'm just going to eat them. I don't want the new app, the new software, or the new update. And if I want to post an old photo, who says I have to wait until Thursday? I'm so tired of performing in the pageantry of vanity and conforming to this accepted form of digital insanity. Call me crazy, but... I imagine a world where we smile when we have low batteries Cause that'll mean we'll be one bar closer To humanity Uh, I saw that video, my sister shared it with me a few days ago. I thought it was perfect for this morning. I saw somebody shared it to the Creekside, so, uh, Creekside page on Facebook, so some of you guys might have seen it. But how many of us uh, cringe when we see our battery getting lower? <laughs> I mean, that's a battle that I face all the time. I've replaced phones because the battery got too low. And so the point that he makes at the end, I love the fact that we could look forward to when our battery is actually low. Because I, I have this fight, and I, you know, I'll throw Kyle out there. I know he fights bad battery life on his phone a lot. I'm preaching it. Uh, how many of us are fighting harder to keep the batteries on our phone going than fighting for our families? 
fighting for our own lives, our relationship with God. Those are the things, I'll tell you what, I say watch out this morning because this is, uh, this is a subject I'm really passionate about. And so when you get me up here with a subject I'm passionate about, watch out because <laughs> I'll just get going. And when I heard that this was a series we were going to do, uh, Christian Living in a Smart World, I got really excited because this is something I've felt passionate about for a long time, something I struggle with a lot. And so this is the last one. They've, they've chosen me to close down the series. And I, if you guys want to know how we pick who speaks when, um, the four of us who spoke on these messages, we put together our criteria of how bad we are at using technology and how much we use it. And I was the worst of them all. And so they wanted me to close down this message. And so that's, that's why I'm up here. That's actually not true. We know if that was the case, Kyle would be up here right now. Um, I feel really strongly like that this, and I'm not to be dramatic because I can be dramatic, but I feel really strongly that this really holds us back in relationship, in our walk with Christ, in our families. This can really hold me back. And so, as we look back over these last few weeks and the stuff we've talked about, if we get nothing out of this series, two things I really want you to get before we move on to this last subject. One, as if technology is holding us back from having a better relationship with our Savior, then you need to deal with it. If it's, if it's more important to us, if we spend more time wrapped up in technology, which is really easy to do because it's out there everywhere. If we spend more time cultivating relationships through technology than we do cultivating the relationship with our Savior who gave us life, then we need to deal with it. That's the first thing. Don't miss that. Because this has gotten in the way of that for me many times. It's really easy. And two... I love what Alan was talking about last week about being present. We talked about this in our small group. I feel like because of our phones, we lack the ability to be present with the people we love, with our families, our friends, our spouses, our neighbors, our coworkers. We do not know how to be present. And there's a difference in being with someone and being present, making eye contact, really showing genuine interest in what we're talking about. I feel like there's so many times my children come up to me and I'm holding my phone and I'm trying to email something for work or look at a tweet or text somebody back and I'm, held, I'm telling them, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then I kept thinking, and I told these guys that I feel like I'm going to be years down the line and my daughter will be leaving the house to go off to college. And I will remember all those times I said, hold on, hold on. And I will want them back so much. <laughs> I, to, the, to the last night I was struggling with that. I'm sorry, I'm a big Royals fan. And so the timing for this, for me and Kyle, to be talking about staying off of 
our computers and our phones and social media and all these things, it really pushed us this, this last few weeks because the team we love is making this long run in the playoffs, and all I want to do is look at everyone talking about how great it is. Uh, so even last night, my brother's yelling at me to actually watch the game instead of looking at what other people are saying about the game. Be present. If you get nothing out of this, the people we love, the people we want to talk to, are right there. I mean, you saw that, that video of the guy at dinner and the gal's across and she's looking at him. She wants conversation and he's looking at his phone. How important do you think the people in our lives feel to us? Or feel to, how important do you think that we make them feel when we're just staring at our phones? I know my kids get it. I brought this up in small group. I asked Colin and Sylvie at the dinner table. I said, what are the most important things to mom and dad? And great answers from our kids. They said, Jesus and us. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> we're on the right path. And then we said... Um, what do mommy and dad spend the most time doing? And Colin says, playing with us and looking at your phones. And then I said, okay, what's something that you wish that mom and dad would do better? Well, I wish you guys would put down your phones more. That's spoken from the mouth of babes. They want our attention. Spouses want our attention. Friends want our attention. Be present with the people you love. Be present with the people around you. Be present with your coworkers. There have been relationship after relationship after relationship hurt since phones got smart. Because it's really easy for us to engage in something that doesn't generally deal with rejection and insecurity, and I can go onto Twitter and read all these things I want to read, or Facebook and look at the lives of other people, but it doesn't actually make me face-to-face -face engage with others. That could be a harder thing for me to do, that I could face rejection in, or I'd have to actually work to come up with conversation, which I, you guys know me, I don't really have to work too hard to come up with conversation, but be present with the people you love. Be present with coworkers, neighbors, anyone around, but be present. All right, the last, last part of our series, and I really do think they gave this to me for a reason. Because it's speech in technology, talking, words. They know I love to talk more than anyone else, so they put me up here for this one. Did you guys know there is power in what we say? That the words that we say can impact lives forever. It's true. Every day we have an opportunity with our words to either build up or tear down. Words have inspired leaders to be leaders, inspired pastors to be pastors, teachers to be teachers, have changed lives. They can encourage, challenge, build up, inspire. We have no idea how powerful our words are. And at the same time, our words can tear down, discourage, destroy. You know how many people haven't met their potential because of words spoken to them? How many people 
wouldn't be singers, how many people wouldn't get into the line of work that they wanted to get into. So many people not inspired by others because they listened to words spoken to them and it held them back. So person after person after person not impacted by someone because they were torn down by words spoken to them. I know all of us could think back into our own lives. Words that encouraged us, that stuck with us, that challenged us. Maybe that's why you're doing the job you're doing because of something someone said to you. Probably all of us in our room can think back to something someone said that touched our lives. And the sad thing is, I'm sure almost all of us can think back to a time when somebody said something to us that has stuck with us forever as being one of the most painful things that we've ever had to deal with. A word that you've heard maybe growing up that kind of changed your course. Words can be detrimental. And I I can think back specifically to, to conversations that I could tell you verbatim that I have never forgotten. That doesn't mean we haven't forgiven, but they still stick with us and they hold us back. A lot of our insecurities can be tied to the words that were spoken to us when we were younger. Words between spouses, the people closest to us. Words have the ability to either build up or destroy. There are power in words. And that's, I want to read you a verse before I keep going. It's Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I love what the message version says. It says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Words bring life or death. Poison or fruit, we choose what our words do. Now bring in technology. Bring in technology, and now we've got the ability to get words out almost at any second to almost anyone that we would want to get words out to as fast as we can. So when we had this ability to build up, destroy, now we bring in technology, and we have this world where we can get our words out. You have Facebook, you can get your words out to your 500 friends like that. We have this opportunity to unload our words to anybody who wants to hear it, I guess. (laughs) So technology has actually given us, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, this ability to build up or tear down in a greater way. And so we have to be careful with how we use our words when it comes to technology, because now Words are getting out there at a quicker pace to more people all the time. But there's some really good, and that's what we're going to close with later. There's some really good ways we can use technology to reach out to other people. Because I don't want us to come in here and have this perception over the last few weeks that what we're talking about is throw out your cell phone, get rid of Facebook, shut down the computer. That's not what we're saying. We're saying this can either have the ability to be something great Or something that holds us back from doing the things that God would want us to do. And so when we come, I feel like, to me, that the words we say to people are so important. And what we try to get across to others. And so that's what I want you guys to hear. Is the things that are holding 
others back in our lives because of what we're saying, how we portray ourselves, or the things we're not saying that we should be. All right, we're going to get deep right away. A big thing with technology and the words we say is that we're not real. For those that know me well, one of the biggest qualities, if not the biggest quality I look for in another person is somebody that is real. That I know they are sincere, that what I get out of their mouths is exactly who they are. And they're not hiding anything from me. And I think it's really easy when it comes to technology to not really show your true person. There is a TV show. I still might be out there. I've seen a few episodes. It's called Catfish. How many of you guys in this room have seen the TV show Catfish? All right, a handful of you. So this TV show's premise is two people meet online, maybe Facebook, and they're getting to know each other strictly on the the internet. And gradually they start to fall for each other and build this relationship, but they've never met face-to-face. And so this TV show allowed these folks to write a letter to them and say, I want to know more about this person that I think I'm falling for. And so they would come in and they'd do their detective work and they'd figure out if this other person that they haven't met yet is on the up and up. And so they'd look at their Facebook page, they'd Google them, they'd do all this stuff. And then eventually it would lead to them coordinating a face-to-face meeting. It's great drama. But generally, the result is that person was not who they said they were. And the other person was destroyed. (laughs) See, it's really easy when we have Facebook, our phones, technology, to take not being real to the next level. Who do we portray ourselves to be? I feel like Facebook gives us this canvas that we can kind of paint our lives how we want it to look to others. Now, I'm not saying that we should be so real that the only pictures we post are pictures of me and my wife fighting. Uh, Fun with my wife today. (laughs) Or me yelling at my kids. What I'm saying is we take what we have there for everybody to see and we want to portray ourselves as being this when reality says this is how I live my life. This is who I am. So this goes beyond just technology. Who are you? Who do you portray yourself to be in technology in life? My counselor, you guys know I I go to a Christian counselor here in Des Moines. And one of the biggest things he preaches to me all the time. and, And get this. This is from a guy that you know I'll get up here and I will tell you the good and bad of myself all the time. There's not much about me that you guys do not know. Yet my counselor, the biggest thing he tells me, Tim, be you. Just be you. (laughs) I pride myself in being real. And my counselor's biggest message to me all the time is be you. Because we struggle with letting people see who we really are. You know why? Because we're not really happy with who we really are. So if we have to let people see that person, that's letting people see the person that we're not a big fan of. And maybe the real us is not all that pretty. That's why it's easy to portray ourselves as something else. I mean, look at guys when they get together. 
I could go in and I could try to talk about cars and hunting with these manly men, but I am going to look out of my element. In fact, I've gone and tried to do that. And in fact, if you guys want to laugh, why don't you just come with me uh, to a mechanic and let me try to explain to him what's wrong with my car. I mean, they ask me how, I, what oil my car is. I say, I don't know, the one in the yellow bottle. I don't know anything. But I try to go in with other guys and portray myself to be this when I'm not. Be myself. Be you. Girls, when you get together, it's really hard not to just let yourself be yourself. Because you want to let the other girls know that you've got it together. That your family's in order. You've got your life together. Everything's laid out. Well, you know what? You know how much more inspiring it would be when you girls get together? Is if you could sit there and you could lay out to others who you really are. And do you know how therapeutic and freeing that would be to yourself? That's why my counselor says all the time, be you. So when we get on the internet... And we get on Facebook and we say these words, we portray ourselves as something that we are not. And so there's freedom in being ourselves. I'm sorry, sometimes it doesn't look so pretty, but that is real. Here's the thing, we don't love who God made us. We don't love it. I don't. Psalms, I gotta find, I have a lot of verses this morning, so bear with me. I've cut some out. Psalms 139, 14. We've heard this verse many, many times. I praise you, this is David. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I tell you, I have to remind myself that all the time. God, you made me this person, and you say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what you see in me. And then what happened? Life happened, and all these words were spoken to me, and all these hurts and pains and insecurities, and all this stuff came in that battles inside of me with allowing myself to be the person God made me or being the person that I want to hide from everyone else. That's why we struggle speaking truth. Husbands and wives being able to, to show the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, this is one of my biggest struggles, trusting Kara with the bad in me. This is who I am. I've had a problem with not speaking truth to her because I don't want what I tell her to hurt her or for her to view me as ugly. I've had problems speaking truth to my friends because I don't want what they hear from me to come across as me being ugly. But that can't hold us back from speaking the truth. Only all that does is hurts other people. So here you go. We got deep right away. We could stop right here. We'll keep going. But be real. There is freedom in seeing yourself and who God made you and allowing yourself to show others who that is. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And we pray that as we work through these things, the good is what shines through more often. But don't be afraid to be real. Because when we get into technology, that's one of the easiest places to show who we would like us to be, not who we really are. There's a responsibility that comes with being real. I just have to say this as a caveat. 
It is not like the movie Liar, Liar, where all he could do is tell the truth. And so he told that you're ugly, you're fat, and all these things. There's a responsibility for those that are able to be real with others to be able to say it lovingly and with kindness. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes we've got to say straight up to somebody, this is what you need to fix. You've disappointed me. You've disappointed God. And we need to change that. But a lot of times when we come before someone and being ourselves and being real, make sure that we say that lovingly as well. Because even us being real can sometimes hurt others. Secondly, make sure that the real you doesn't bring everyone else down. Make sure that the real you doesn't bring everyone else down. I'm new to the Facebook world. It took me years and years. I just joined a couple months ago. I will be honest. I'm not a huge fan. I don't really enjoy looking at the timelines. But I can tell, and I, I don't know, I've got maybe a couple hundred friends right now. Um, but I can tell on my timeline when I'm looking through, and there's this one gal. She's not here. She lives in another state. Nobody here knows her except for maybe my brother. I won't say her name. But I can tell the folks that are not real big fans of their lives. And you guys have seen them. This gal will get on there, and a lot of her posts are about how awful her day is. And it's raining again. And it rained on me, and work was awful, and I dropped my food on the floor. And I, they, she wants her friends to know how bad her life is. Make sure the real you doesn't bring everyone else around you down, because here's the issue. I know she's a believer. Probably most of her friends know she's a believer. But she loves Jesus, but her life stinks. That's what she tells everybody. So what's the appeal for me? If I'm looking at her life and I see that she follows Christ, but nothing is good. Well, why do I want to have that? Well, how does that appeal to me? All that does is discourages me and brings me down. See, with technology, we've been given the ability to unload our lives on other people. We can dump our crud on people easier than it ever was. I don't know what they did back in the day. Write a long letter. You wouldn't get it for two weeks. And by the time you got it, their life's better again. But now we can unload on people right there. We can tell, like I said, our 500 Facebook friends, my day stinks. I think this is a really big thing to look out for. As believers... Our lives aren't perfect. We have hard days. But you know what? You know where I want to take my hard day? To those confidants in my life that I can share my hurts and pains with and say, this is what I'm struggling with today. And then we encourage each other. Because there's a big difference in opening up your life to someone and unloading your crud on someone. If you have that friend that all the texts you get are... Ah, uh, it's bad again. Ah, uh, my life stinks. Ah, uh, why is this happening again? That's not a good relationship. And that's things that we feel like we should do to make ourselves feel better. Just unload on others. So you need to make sure that in your life, what you unload on others is truth. Encouragement, because that relationship should just not be one 
of unloading crud and bringing everyone else down. And I think that got a lot easier with technology. Again, I encourage you guys, find those folks in your life that you can be real with, open up your hurts and your pains. But don't unload. Don't use Facebook as your opportunity to tell everyone else how bad it is. Be encouraging. And those things, I mean, we could keep going. We could, it could spread to how we respond to people, how we, how we berate others. I mean, look at, I was doing some research. Look at how suicide has increased in teenagers' lives since Facebook came in. Because it's easy for us to get on and say something, you know, it's a fact. It's a fact that when we're not face-to-face with someone, we are a lot braver with what we say. We can be a lot more bold. And that can be a positive or a negative. And so I, I was reading article after article. 17-year-old commits suicide because of bullying on Facebook. 16-year-old commits suicide because of words spoken on Facebook. We have to watch what we say. We have to guard our mouths. Let me see if I can find this verse. Proverbs 13, 3. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. I think that wisdom that, that God gave Solomon, for one, I, the dude had like a thousand wives. So that one was a pretty important verse to him, I'm sure. <laughs> Guarding his mouth. That should apply to us in daily life. The words that come out of us, how they impact others. We've got to be able to have this filter in our brains before we speak, before we type, before we text, before we pick up the phone and unload on someone. Because it can hurt people's lives. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. That's not what we're about. I want to move on to the positives because... I feel like there's an opportunity we have to be able to help change other people's lives through the use of technology. Like I said, I just joined the Facebook world a few weeks ago and a couple crazy things has happened to me since. Um, and I want to share you guys with these stories. I, uh, when I lived in Colorado, I was really close to, well, I mentored a lot of kids. I was a youth pastor at a camp, and, and one of the guys that I spent a lot of time with, his name was Jake, and he's the kind of guy that, uh, great personality, everybody loved him, our, our, our youth group meetings with camp, he was the one that was making everybody laugh, and he was on fire. And when everything went down with Karen and I a few years ago when we left Colorado, we kind of detached ourselves from that world, and so I kind of lost contact with a lot of these kids that I was investing in. And so the first day I got Facebook, 
I don't even know how this world works. I don't know how he found me, but apparently Zuckerberg's pretty smart with this stuff. But I got a friend request from this kid right away. I'm like, oh, there's Jake. And so I accepted his friend request, and literally within 30 seconds, I get a message pop up on my phone from him. Tim, I've been looking for you. I'm so glad I found you. How's life? How's everything going? I've missed you so much. He starts going into, I don't have any hurt feelings about you leaving. I know you had to take care of your family, all these things, but I'm so glad to be able to talk to you. And I said, Jake, give me your cell phone number and I'll call you because I want to talk to him. And he said, I can't right now, maybe in a couple weeks. I said, I knew he had been in the military. I said, you still in the military? No, some complications in life. I'm like, Jake, what's going on? He said, I just got to rehab. He said, my life has spiraled out of control. I've been an alcoholic for a few years. My dad's an alcoholic. My mom's an alcoholic. My brother's an alcoholic. Our lives, I've I've hurt all these people. I've hurt myself, and I just got into rehab, and I'm going to be here for a few months But I'm really glad I found you, Tim, because I really want your prayer. And we continued to talk for a little bit. And the last few things he said to me that day was, he says, uh, you know, Tim, I love you. I actually love you probably more now than I did back then. And I still want you to be my mentor, even after all these years. So there was an opportunity right there. Day one to connect with this kid I hadn't seen in years who's hurting. And and I've been following him on Facebook and Instagram, and he seems to be doing really well. We've talked a little bit here and there. But that was an opportunity that came through technology for him to not only touch my life, but for me to be able to encourage this person who's struggling. Second story. When I was younger, there was a guy named Jesse. This is when I was middle school, high school. And uh, I really looked up to him. He was my age. We both played basketball. That was my life when I was a kid. And he's the best basketball player to this day that I've ever played against or with. And he was on my team. In high school, it wasn't big school basketball, but in high school we were the, the backcourt together. He always scored more points than me. He was a better jumper, taller, all these things. Um, but eventually in high school, he got recruited to go play at a different high school because he was a lot better. And I was kind of jealous, and, and, uh, but still a big fan of, of Jesse. And so we continued to be friends through high school, and we would play a lot of late-night basketball games really close. Well, he got recruited to play college basketball, and he went to Ohio to play college basketball. And I remember after that, I didn't really hear much from him. And then uh, I went to go visit him my freshman year of college to go see him play. And I just remember to this day as one of the most hurtful experiences. I drive nine hours and I get there, see him play, and I'm supposed to spend a couple days with him, and he didn't have any time for me. It's like his world had gotten too big. And so I moved on from that friendship. I kind of let it go. He, he, he continued on his success, played Division I basketball, played overseas professionally, and kind of tracked his life from there a little bit. Um, fast forward 16 years later, I found him, him and his brother on Facebook, and... Uh, and just this week, and, you know, it's not ironic that I should get this message just this week. Monday morning, I sit down in my office to work. I pull up Facebook, and right away, there's a message from this kid. 
And what he says to me, I'm sitting there at my office and I'm in tears. I'm glad nobody walked in. Not that they haven't walked in. I've been in tears before, but... Uh, I get this message from this guy, and it blew me away. And it wasn't anything big. He just starts talking about, hey, glad I found you. Some of my best times of playing basketball with you, all this stuff, nice to hear. But at the end, he said, I don't remember much about our transition and where we fell off, but from what I do remember is I think it might have been kind of hurtful to you. And so I just wanted to address that and see if you were okay with everything. And I'm like, you know, I hadn't thought about this in years. But as soon as he starts saying these words, I start getting emotional. So obviously there was something in here. And so we start talking more and he just starts talking about, you know, back then I thought life was a string of events that I benefited from. And even though I was nice, I didn't really nurture relationships and all this stuff. And I feel like I let you down. And he continues on. He's like, I'm sorry I hurt you. And I, I was blown away. 15, 16 years later, he remembers this and he reaches out to me through Facebook and it, hurt, and it, and it encourages my life. Because he acknowledges wounds that he caused me years ago. I have another friend who just recently started reaching out to family that she never really knew because of things that happened growing up uh, where they lost this relationship with this whole side of a family and she felt motivated to take it upon herself to reach out to her, her flesh and blood. And so she's found all this encouragement through Facebook and email of finding this family and, and re, well, starting these relationships for the first time. I have another friend who hadn't talked to his brother for years and reached out through email and now they have rekindled this relationship that had been hurt for years and years. There are so many things that we can do to reach out to folks from our past, people that we love, people that we have lost, people that we have hurt, to be able to challenge them, encourage their hearts, like those two folks have encouraged mine. I want to read a verse to you. Proverbs 25, 25. says, like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. Um, I, I like the message version, version better. It says, like a cool drink of water when you're worn out and weary is a letter from a long lost friend. And that's how I felt. <laughs> it was so encouraging and challenging to me to have somebody reach out. So a challenge for you guys is find people in your lives that maybe you've had hurt relationships with or you've kind of lost uh, and challenge yourself to reach out. I'm sorry for the fact that I hurt you in this way or, or we lost touch and I just wanted to reach out. Real quickly as we close here, the biggest thing I want to hit you with is we can use technology on a daily basis to challenge each other, to encourage lives. Uh, we've brought it up many times. Mike, is very good at it, you know, and we praise Mike all the time, but it's because he's really good at the things he does, and technology is one of those, and he, he offers accountability to people on a daily basis. Are you reading this? I mean, we've done this Proverbs 31-day challenge, and he is always putting the updates on Facebook. We can challenge people's lives. Tracy, this week, put a, a post on, uh, I don't know what morning it was, but all it said, it was so simple. It just said, 
uh, enjoy a beautiful, or enjoying a beautiful day outside and put a verse. These things can challenge us on a daily basis. So what I want you guys to challenge yourselves to do is find people in your contact list on your phones. Find people on Facebook that you can reach out to. Find someone you can call. And don't be afraid to reach out and challenge. Those are the things that actually build us up, encourage us, and help us to live a life that we were meant to live through Christ. It says it's easy to get caught up in our own insecurities in life and keep ourselves from doing those things. So tomorrow morning, find someone that you should reach out to, and it could be a, a two-phrase text that says, I hope you have a good week. Those words are so powerful, more powerful than you could even realize. You know, I was going to read this, but we're running out of time. I'm have the band come up. Paul was one of the best at challenging people through words. And what did he do when he was in prison? Is he wrote letters. And this is the example of how we can use our words through email, cell phone, Facebook. Is take what Paul has done here in, in the word, in the letters he writes, and challenge others. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that springs from that hope that is stored up from you in heaven, and that you have already heard about the word of truth and gospel that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it, is being, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. And understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras and our dear fellow servants who is in faith, a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since this day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Through all, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's our opportunity to tell someone, I'm thinking about you. I care for you. I care about your life. In your walk with Christ, I'm praying for you. If we were doing that on a daily basis, it takes a few seconds, those words through technology could challenge people to be so much happier, to do so much better, to have such a better walk with Christ. And that's what I want to challenge you guys to do the rest of this week. The rest of, not just the rest of this week. You can stop after this week. We'll move on not just the rest of this week, to do with our lives. It's getting past ourselves. Father God, I just thank you so much for this series and these messages that we've, we've worked through, Lord, and I just pray that you would help us and you would change us, Lord, and that we would be able to use the things you put in our lives for good and not for evil, to build up, not to discourage, Lord. And so we give these things over to you and we praise you in your name. Amen.